Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you. What a song, what a song. 
Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be with all of you. I have missed you all since our show on Tuesday. Uh, we had fantastic shows this week on Monday and Tuesday, like always. Uh, amazing dialogue, uh, fantastic topics, and uh, great guests, and, and such smooth conversations and everything you could ever want in the show. Perfect rhythm, perfect flow. Uh, I'm very uh, impressed when I go back and listen to it. And uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You guys are all incredible. Uh, remember, we're listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, The Next NEX. Gen, G-E-N, USA dot com. And also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing a, a whole brand new another media site that we're raising a lot of money for. Uh, we have many notable guests that will be doing their own shows all across the country and internationally. And uh, we can't wait. It'll be 24-7. Uh, we'll be having America's Toughest Sheriff, my friend Joe Arpaio, as the face of the network, as well as the director of Jihad Watch, my friend Robert Spencer, both of those guys are very well-known, very popular, uh, and I'm, I'm very lucky and uh, glad that I can call them my friends. As authentic and genuine as, as it comes in life, these guys, the best of the best. Uh, I hope everybody is excited for the weekend. I, uh, this is always a good feeling, you know, when Thursday comes, because all we got is one more day until Friday. I, um, I, have, a lot, I have a lot planned, though, for the future of the show. And uh, I'm very excited uh, to share it with all of you. This is uh, an amazing and such a a profound and unforgettable journey. That's for sure, everybody. Um, Okay. We have a lot, a lot to get into tonight. Uh, The media these last couple days has just been story after story, uh, constant. Uh, It's uh, it's a little bit much to to keep up. I mean, it's it's a little – it's a – a little much. I mean, uh, you know, hard to keep up. I will tell you that. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. Uh, let's start with uh, conservative talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, Mr. Dale Kane. Daryl, how are you? Brother, I'm doing good. We are hitting the streets. We're at. We're spreading the message spreading the Kane 2024. I do want to let your audience know we've got a really big debate with who appears to be the front runner for the 2020 libertarian slot. Adam Kokesh will be on the public space Monday night debating with him. Well, actually, I shouldn't plug that. That may actually be a time conflict, but uh, it's good to be on the show, brother, and uh, I'm excited. we got a lot planned. we got Kevin and Dr. Branch on as well, I'm assuming. Uh, not No Dr. Branch tonight, but we do have Kevin. Well, as long as we got Kevin, we'll keep it going. All right, brother, I'm sending you a hug. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Uh, let, let's also welcome to the show um, retired police chief, homicide detective, and activist, Michael Valsey. Michael, how are you? Welcome back. Real good, Roy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I also uh, would like to welcome uh, founder of College Republicans United, founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalist United, Kevin Dukeifer. Kevin, how are you? 
I'm doing very wonderfully, Rory. I'm really looking forward to the great future that your channel has and also all the great future that Daryl Kane and his uh, campaign has. That's a lot of uh, policy points and uh, news that we're going to spread the word, and I uh, really look forward to seeing how much is going to grow and prosper. Absolutely, my friend. Lots to look forward to. Um, let's, let's also welcome to the show uh, popular talk show host, Desert Storm veteran, columnist, and activist, Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you? How you doing? Great. Uh, good evening, everybody, and uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I believe now I have uh, my friend Arch Kennedy. Are you there, buddy? Hey there, Roy. Rory. Glad to be with you. I, I feel privileged. I, I was called back. I must not have uh, said anything too too terrible last week. <laughs> no, I, I no, I like you on the program. Just a little noisy in the background. Are you in the car or something? Uh, no. Try to see what's going on here. Sorry about that. Now you're good. Now you're good. But good, good to okay. have you here. A lot to get into tonight. Uh, definitely a big week in the news. Um, but everybody, uh, let, let's get into the opening story. Um, obviously, you know, this, this entire Mueller situation yesterday, you know, I, I will say I did watch some of it, probably watched like half of it. And it's just as I predicted, political theater, nothing got accomplished from the Democrats. They pretty much, the Democrats actually made their situation much worse. They dug themselves a deeper hole. With, with how they, you know, uh, you know, did everything yesterday, how, how they handled themselves, how they portrayed themselves, how they went about things. Uh, th- this was definitely not one of the Democrats' uh, best moments. Uh, they, they sure, uh, you know, really, uh, I mean, the desperation is unbelievable. And now we're hearing <clears throat> that there will be more subpoenas. Uh, Jerry that boy Nadler, who I can't stand, he's the biggest condescending prick on the face of the earth. And, you know, he's saying now there's going to be more subpoenas. He's going to keep trying to chase this witch hunt and lead taxpayers on a huge fishing expedition. I mean, it's ne- like I said months ago on the show, and I'll keep saying it, it's never enough for these people. These people could care less about the truth. They could care less about if Russia hacked our elections. All they care about is if Trump goes down, and they want to go any way possible of doing it, even if it's not, even if it's unethical, even if it's out of character, even if it's so, if it's wrong in so many ways. They don't care. If they have something, they want they want to go after him for it. It's ridiculous. And you know, I'm watching this yesterday. What is wrong with Robert Mueller? This guy's stuttering. This guy has to go. And I and I quote. This guy had to go back to the report because he couldn't remember, yeah, whatever. He had to go back 124 times. Again, that's 124 times he basically had to look at his notes because he wasn't sure uh, what these people were asking, supposedly. I think, he, I, I think there's – you know, I think it could be a few things. You know, I, there were a lot of, pundit, a lot of, political, um, a lot of political commentators talking yesterday about, you know, especially Matt Drudge, and everybody knows who Matt Drudge is, one of the most popular ones out there. He was saying that possibly drugs. I mean, you know, this, this guy was, Robert Mueller was so deshuffled. He was so out of it. I mean, this, you know, this guy, you know, was stuttering. 
he was, you know, making weird body, body, like just the body posture. It was so off. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's drugs. I'm not saying that, you know, it could be a number of things, like I said. You know, one of the things could be drugs. Another thing, he's just playing stupid. And another thing is that he actually wasn't in charge of this investigation, and he was just playing the dirty cop. And, and this was all a setup all along by somebody way uh, more powerful than him. I, th- I feel, in a sense, this, he may have just been kind of the, the um, you know, just the, per- the poster guy for this. There's even a lot of political people, pundits, and commentators talking how they don't think Mueller was in charge of this investigation. They think it was, you know, deeper in the deep state. People, obviously, Clinton operatives were involved with this. But, it, you know, obviously, I, I, guys, it, it could be multiple things, like I said, because either he's playing dumb and he has to go back to his notes literally 124 times, or he was not in charge of the investigation and they just put him as the poster guy for it because he had somewhat of a reputable, reputable background um, and, you know, obviously there were people that trusted him. Or he's on drugs. I mean, I don't know. It could be three things. And the, all these reports, all these three different things, I'm not just saying. There's multiple people saying that the, this is what it could be. And I agree. I observed, you know, him talking. I didn't watch the whole thing. Like I said, I probably watched like three, four hours. Um, and, and I just couldn't take it anymore. After all the stupid questions, after the repetitiveness over and over, the same, the, everything they ask the Democrats is in the report. Everything. And then, you know, his claim about President Trump never offered him a job, Andrew McCabe's book contradicts that. Andrew McCabe's book contradicts the, the situation because Mueller said, testifying, that Trump never, off, never offered him a job. That's bullshit, according to Andrew McCabe, who is a, you know, a close ally of all these people, Comey, Stork, Mueller. And don't forget, Robert Mueller, he ignored the Steele dossier. This was never about any sort of dossier. Any, this wasn't about, you know, Trump colluding with Russia, because they know they never had anything in the first place. This was about a, a false narrative that was created that enough people started talking about, and then they put it out there and tried to make everybody start believing it. This is what it really is. There was never anything there. And I think these people know that, you know, that they, they, they know the people that started this. And I think most of the Democrat politicians know there was never anything there. And don't forget about the FISA war and abuse. These people took advantage of, of the situation and lied and went to a judge and a judge signed off on it. It's insane. And what about, what about this? The political bias with Mueller having all of Clinton's – most of his staff were Clinton allies, Andrew Weissman, Peter Stork, Andrew McCabe, Bruce Orr. These people all gave money to Hillary Clinton and were, were close with her. I mean, come on. Imagine if this was a Republican situation. All hell would break loose. The double standard is unbelievable here. This is insane. You have the opponent that lost. Her friends 
investigating the winning candidate. Well, what the hell do you think is going to happen? She's given this, Hillary's given all these people tons of money, has all this power and influence over them. I mean, this is, guys, this is scary stuff. I want to play Tucker Carlson's, um, he, he said it perfectly today. I mean, he, he really uh, put this entire uh, circus uh, into perspective. Uh, one, one, six. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Never meet your heroes. That's how the saying goes. They'll only disappoint you. Well, that's true, by the way, as Democrats across the country learned the hard way today. Former special counsel Robert Mueller testified on Capitol Hill this morning. If you watch the other cable channels, you're probably accustomed to thinking of Robert Mueller as a kind of progressive superhero sent here from on high to do battle with the diabolical Mr. Orange on behalf of the forces of light and justice. Hollywood literally produced a comic book about Robert Mueller. That's how convinced they were of his power and goodness. Single-handedly, Robert Mueller was going to save America. And then came the long, sad spectacle of today. Here's the actual Robert Mueller, caught without his cape and mask, squirming under the cold light of television cameras. When discussing the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, uh, you referenced, quote, the firm that produced the steel reporting, unquote. The name of that firm was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? And you're on page 103? 103, that's correct, volume two. I, I'm not familiar uh, uh, with, uh, with that. I, well, uh, let, you, let me just help you. you uh, it it I, was. I, it's, not, it's not a trick question. Right? It, it was Fusion GPS. Not familiar with Fusion GPS. Well, it turns out that if you're watching this show right now, you almost certainly know more about the Russia investigation than the man who led the Russia investigation. You know that Fusion GPS is the Democratic oppo firm that paid Christopher Steele to produce the Trump dossier. Fusion GPS is the reason we're talking about Russia right now. In fact, Fusion GPS is the reason we had a Mueller investigation in the first place. But, of course, you knew that because you're paying attention. Somehow, Robert Mueller himself did not know that. What does that say about Robert Mueller? Well, this isn't a medical program, so we're not going to speculate about it. What we can say for certain, though, is that Robert Mueller never should have been testifying before Congress today. He didn't want to come. He came because Democrats forced him. They knew his condition. They were happy to exploit him anyway, and they did. To the left, the individual is always far less important than the mission, and the mission never changes, acquiring political power. Watch the congenitally shameless Jerry Nadler of New York use Mueller as a kind of human backboard. Throw the question, get it back. So the report did not conclude that he did not commit obstruction of justice. Is that correct? That is correct. And what about total exoneration? Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. Now, in fact, your report expressly states that it does not exonerate the president. It does. Mueller did not exonerate the president. That was the headline on CNN today. Of course it was the headline. And that was the point of asking the question in the first place, to create a headline. Unmentioned was the fact that prosecutors don't exonerate anyone, ever. Prosecutors charge people with crimes, or they don't. That's the full scope of their power. Only God exonerates. The whole thing was a dishonest word game. Moments later, in fact, Robert Mueller conceded that his was the first Justice Department investigation in history 
to claim that its unindicted subject was not exonerated. Can you give me an example other than Donald Trump where the Justice Department determined that an investigated person was not exonerated because I, their I, innocence was not conclusively determined? I, I, I cannot, but this is a unique okay, situation. Okay, well, I, you can't. Time is short. I've got five minutes. Let's just leave it at you can't find it because I'll tell you why. It doesn't exist. That was probably the high point of the day for everyone, everyone participating, everyone watching at home. Most of the rest of the time... It was depressing to watch. Mueller seemed deeply confused, at times confused about why he was there. Repeatedly, he struggled just to hear the questions he was being asked. When he did hear them, his answers often revealed he was not familiar at all with the report that bears his name. Collusion and conspiracy are essentially synonymous terms, correct? No. If no, on page 180 of volume one of your report, you wrote, as defined in legal dictionaries, collusion is largely synonymous with conspiracy as that crime is set forth in the general federal conspiracy statute 18 U.S.C. 371. I'm reading your report, sir. It's a yes or no answer. Page 180. Page 180, volume one. Okay. This is from your report. Correct. And I, uh, I, I, uh, I leave it with the uh, report. So the report says, yes, they are synonymous. Yes. Hopefully for finally, out of your own report, we can put to bed the collusion and conspiracy. It went on like this for more than six excruciating hours. We hope you were doing something else today. We can tell you, though, that over 200 times, Mueller simply declined to answer the question at all. Repeatedly, he said that critical questions central to the Russia investigation weren't in his purview. Do you have any basis as you sit here today to believe that Steele was lying? As I said before, I'll say again, it's not my purview. Others are investigating what you uh, So, so uh, it's not uh, your address. purview to look into whether or not Steele's lying. It's not your purview to look into whether or not anti-Trump Russians are lying to Steele. And it's not your purview to look at whether or not Glenn Simpson was meeting with the Russians the day before and the day after you write 3,500 words about the Trump campaign meeting. So given what we've already said about Mr. Mueller, we don't want to be cruel here, but we also want to be clear about what he's indicating. Mueller just told us that he doesn't know if Christopher Steele is lying about the basis of the entire Russia investigation. Nope, he doesn't know. And by the way, he doesn't care. Keep in mind, Robert Mueller is the very same man who, as of right now, is trying to send Roger Stone to prison for the rest of his life for telling minor and totally irrelevant lies, allegedly, that hurt no one. But he doesn't care to know if Christopher Steele is lying about the most important question in the investigation to which he's dedicated two and a half years of his life. Huh. It's enough to shake your faith, actually, if you think about it for a minute. By the end of the day, even partisan Democrats had to admit that Mueller's testimony had been a complete debacle. As they were using him for clarity, he'd somehow fog it up. But he'd be um, doing And how he would do certain things. And, and so, look, on optics, this was a disaster. Was the ball advanced? No. Impeachment's over. Today, he was a witness. And he frankly wasn't a really good witness because he declined to answer by my count over a hundred times. I thought he was uh, boring. I thought in some cases he was uh, sort of evasive. I thought it really was in a very ineffective defense of his own work. Look, from the Democratic perspective, to me so far, it's been a bit of a bust. A lot of Democrats in particular used the D word and branded this a disaster early on. At the very least, we now know the truth about Robert Mueller, a mysterious prosecutor with unchecked power, revealed at last to be a daft old man blinking in the sunlight once his curtain was torn away. 
It was a sad coda to the long and ridiculous Russia saga. An absurd story for certain, but not a harmless story, hardly. This years-long charade deeply hurt this country. It corrupted our most important institutions. It divided our people. But worst of all, it distracted all of us from our real problems, which are legion. Get in the car tomorrow morning and drive five hours in any direction in this country. Stop frequently. Look around. How's America doing, do you think? Now remember that all the sadness you just saw on your drive, the drug zombies and the homeless people, the payday loan places, the boarded up buildings, all the slow motion disasters unfolding unmistakably all around us, all of that has been completely ignored for years in favor of some stupid invented story about Russian spies that never even made sense and didn't even happen. A ruling class did that. They did that to you as a distraction. They do not deserve to rule. That much is clear. I find it hilarious that much of the mainstream media feels officially defeated. I mean, that you know, we saw so many, so much of the liberal media yesterday uh, admit and, and you know finally finally say that you know this is this is over. This whole Mueller situation, uh, you know, it's. It's done. And uh, I don't know if anybody saw Michael Moore yesterday, Mr. Mr. Liberal, but he's telling every Democrat that ever that was that focuses on the Mueller investigation and all this stuff to, you know, quote unquote, shut the f up. I mean, it, I don't know if anybody saw the tweet. Let me read it. Let me read this tweet real quick. And I quote. Actually, I don't. I, don't, I can't pull it up right now. Um, but no. I mean, you had so many people that I'm shocked came out on the left like Michael Moore and said, you know, like, this is, this is done. I mean, just get over it. There's so many people fixated on it. And, guys, you know, they want to they get Trump for obstructing justice for a crime that was never there. And, you know, I, I find it funny that they keep mentioning, you know, the left keeps mentioning, oh, you didn't exonerate him. Well, that's not Robert Mueller's job. Robert Mueller's job is to find guilt or innocence, period, period. And, you know, we're, we're, looking, we're looking at what Robert Mueller did yesterday, so much deflecting, so much going around the question. I mean, there, there weren't straight answers. Um, you know, don't forget, there's, there were hundreds of people questioned in this investigation, no collusion. The lead, the lead witness was just arrested recently for sex trafficking with a minor, pedophilia, uh, liars testifying, Michael Cohen, uh, people that, you know, have no credibility, uh, you know, personal life. They couldn't find Russian collusion, so they would go into Trump's business finances, go harass his family. Um, you know, just a liberal delusion. The abuse of power is absolutely insane. You know, what these, you know, Democrats can do being in charge of the House and stuff. Uh, don't forget, nobody has ever was charged for crimes related to Russia. Everybody that was charged were charged with crimes that had to do with something else. Uh, and, you know, this deep state thing is scary, I will say. Um, let, let's go – let's start with Daryl. Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, this whole debacle has really been disgraceful, and, and I do think Tucker Carlson's assessment of, of Mr. Mueller is, is spot on. I mean, he, he is very clearly a doddering old fool, and I think it's very clear from what we've seen about the way that he's operated and handled this investigation. If there was something there, he would have found it. 
I mean, I think that's very clear. And it is remarkable talking about exonerating or, or lack thereof and things not being within his purview. Uh, this entire investigation has just been absurd, and it's been clearly hyper-partisan. And, and the fact, again, that they found nothing is just, is just remarkable. And, you know, the further along they drag this out, the further of a humiliation this is for the Democratic Party. Uh, they just won't let this thing go. And now it's just another black eye for them is seeing Robert Mueller and just how, you know, basically uh, incompetent he appears to be. I mean, he, he doesn't appear as though – I mean, it looks like he should be retired frankly. He doesn't look like he should be somebody that should be still working in the business. So it's remarkable that he had that post to begin with. And uh, yeah, he, he was a doddering old fool and, uh, and also also came off as a bit of a, a sniveling coward. So uh, yeah, I would add, you gave three options at the beginning, one being drugs, one being someone else. I, I would maybe add dementia as a fourth option, that maybe this is just an old person that is over the hill that's struggling with dementia. That would be perhaps what I would suggest we were viewing yesterday. So I think that your commentary is absolutely spot on. Yeah, the, the Michael Moore tweet is, is remarkable. I mean, Michael Moore basically is, is uh, chastising the left for saying this is what you get for, you know, picking such a, a whim for someone to lead the investigation. I mean, these people are just so completely out to lunch and disconnected from from reality, the only option that we have really is to beat these people and and to beat them back further and further. So I think today bodes very well for 2020 because again, it's I think just further humiliation for the American people. They they barely got a soundbite out of this. You know, I mean, really the, the the fireworks were the Jim Jordan exchange. That was the best exchange, and they'll just avoid that altogether. But I mean, I don't even really think that they got a soundbite that they can run on CNN or MSNBC. So. Uh, some of them, are, when they're actually admitting that it didn't work, that that is generally a sign that wow, this this really didn't work. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that this is the end of it, but these people just really they don't want to end their humiliation. So they'll keep digging until we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think your commentary is spot on, and and looking forward to hearing what the rest of the panel has to say about it. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Kennedy, go ahead. Mr. Kennedy, go hey ahead. Hey there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it was it was pathetic to see uh, a man's career end like it did. It was uh, the Democrats exploited this man. It, it was quite obvious he had Robert Mueller had nothing to do with the running of this Russia investigation. It seems to me Andrew Weissman was the one, and uh, you know. They were – Mueller was probably either napping in his office or having lunch with friends, but he was clearly not involved in this. Um, you know, the uh, – he was the perfect person for them to put as the front man. He was Mr. Integrity. Uh, he disliked President Trump, but with his declining mental capacity, he couldn't really push back on Weissman. This is what I'm – this is what I'm deducing from all of this. Um, you know, they – uh, they never thought – the Mueller and Weissman team I don't think ever thought that this investigation would have concluded without Trump resigning or being impeached. And their worst-case scenario was it that it would continue through the 2020 election and then end after Trump's defeat. But that didn't happen, and um, I do believe that you know 
the prospect for Trump being reelected is real uh, now more than ever, actually. And, um, you know, the uh, it's just sad to me that Democrats did this to this man. When I watched this, it was it, it was it was sad that their hatred and their desire to to disrepute his his winning of this election and their hatred for him was so great that they would put this man up there like they did. Um, you know, um, it's just uh, it, I'm just thankful at this point. It's been it's been draining for everybody watching this. And, you know, it's time now to get to so I'd be very interested to hear what happens now, what Barr finds out. And if we can get to some of the real stuff, you know, with Hillary Clinton, uh, it's time to move on to the real witch hunt, if you ask me. Absolutely. No, I agree. No, you're absolutely right. Um, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes. Well, it is always such a pleasure to listen to Tucker Carlson and uh, in such a short and stimulating and powerful uh, segment that he gives. He could really sum up the, the big picture of, of all of this and really get to the, the core issue. And it's especially uh, truthful that it really isn't just Robert Mueller being the head of this or these other eight angry uh, Democrats that want to get rid of Trump. I mean, it's the whole Democrat system that's that's been wanting to get rid of Trump. And I think he sums it up very well in a recent uh, powerful quote he made recently. It goes, ordinary people have less control of what happens to them from uh, government than they've ever had before because more decisions are being made by fewer people, unelected people in the agencies and the courts. And it really signifies how we have these, you know, directors of the FBI like James Comey's. We have, you know, the Robert Mueller of these, you know, all these, you know, the, the Nadlers and all these kinds of people from these these agencies. We have the court systems that are basically just arbitrating, making up rules as they go to try to, uh, you know, oh, and not only that, but also to uh, get people uh, like. Donald Trump Jr. into these long subpoena sessions, and um, it's uh, an absolute uh, disgrace to our, our justice system as, as it is. And uh, I would also like to add that I don't think it's necessarily um, like a, a small few issues. I think it's a, a lot of issues that's wrong with Mueller. So one that I would like to add is just the high stress of it all. Um, he really was treated as the last hope for the Democrats. He this um, you know, the entire system as it is, uh, saw him as their last hope that was going to absolutely take Trump down. You had uh, Hollywood, you had the, the media, you had these talk show hosts, oh, I mean clowns, they're actually clowns, I, I don't see the difference between them, and with the, how they were sizing up Robert Mueller um, as if he was going to be the one to take him down, and, um, and he knew that he had nothing going into these long sessions. Uh, it absolutely destroyed him very very well. Um, and so uh, Tucker Carlson brings up another very important point here, and that's this entire investigation has really uh, brought the entire country off track of the real issues. The, the country has been told by the, the media and Hollywood and this democratic political elite that it's Trump that's the problem with America. He is our biggest threat, and it's the Russians and you know all their retarded remarks, pardon my language, and it's really the case that uh, 
America has a lot of problems that are not being addressed, and they are being scapegoated by uh, Republicans and Donald Trump. So the sooner this, uh, I would say, this entire scandal, this fake news scandal goes away, the sooner that uh, we could really dive into addressing these, these very core issues that are, are plaguing our country. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, we definitely, definitely a lot to uh, to work with. I mean, we have a lot of stuff to clean up. Uh, Eric, go ahead. No, I, I think one thing that hasn't really been discussed is I feel like the Republicans, you know, Jordan and Louis Gohmert and all these guys, they came, they came ready to fight for our country, and they they got Mueller who was expecting a little patty cake session to just flat out, you must answer what you did for two years. And the conclusions you came up in your error-filled report are not going to fly for the American citizen. So obviously Mueller was not in a position to testify. He tried to bring his assistant to, to, to sit next to him. But the Republicans did a good job of making Mueller look at them, not his anti-Trump, pro-Hillary Clinton you know, uh, assistance. So in the, in the big scheme of things, I think it's really not about Donald Trump. It's about globalism forcing their will. So you're, you know, the, the power brokers in the, in the far left are the LGBT community, the open borders people, the, you know, the Koch brothers. So it was actually kind of a sad display of our jurisprudence of, of watching the American system kind of, we, I think we saw the worst yesterday. I think we saw a inept man that was trying to defend a report by Andrew Wiseman, who was already overturned by the Supreme Court twice because he put people in jail that were not guilty. And, and it was just kind of a sad commentary. The left, uh, that was their card. That's all they had to play was Robert Mueller, and now they have nothing. So... I, I'm looking forward to 2020 and winning the house. That's kind of what we're focusing on in my talk show is, is yeah, we have all this noise, but in the end, we've got to win the house 2020 big time if we're going to fix immigration and education. Absolutely. My friend, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, Michael Balsi, I'll, I'll go to you um, because, you know, I want to ask you, you worked in law enforcement, you know, you were, you were a police chief. So, I mean, you know, uh, when you know people are abusing their power and, and something is, you know, I mean, I mean something is against the law, and I mean there's nothing here. I don't think there. I don't think there was ever anything there. The Steele dossier was paid for by the DNC and Hillary Clinton. Okay, so we know that was a false document. Steele got the idea for the dossier from a movie he watched, or from a book he read. It happened to be a. a a storyline in a book. Yeah. So that's where the steel dossier comes from. So it never really, it had any, never really had any substance to it. And I, I believe that it was passed, or we know it was passed from Harry Reid to John McCain and subsequently on. And then Rosenstein, he, he, he's the one that recommends Comey's firing. But what they were hoping to get out of that was with the president firing Comey, they were hoping in the end to come away with obstruction of justice, hence the, uh, the Comey firing. Okay, that's, that was, this whole thing hinged on that. And then one of your other guests made a point. I also think it was to try to create enough pressure on the president 
to force him into resignation or into kind of like the Nixon situation, right? The president wasn't going to fall for that. He knew the dossier was fake. He knew what was going to happen. And that's the reason he's there. And, you know, a lot of people don't know. There was a dossier on Ted Cruz also. That That's going to eventually come out here. Okay, so no matter who would have gotten the nomination, they would have gone through the same thing the president's going through. This is because they lost power. But to get to Mueller, you know, if, if as a police officer or any any anybody in law enforcement, if you took a case to a district attorney or a prosecutor and you're looking to file formal charges and the case is false, right, and that prosecutor happens to take it and now has to try to go in a courtroom and try to prove that case, he's going to fall flat on his face and he's going to be nervous. And that's exactly what I think we saw out of, of Mueller yesterday. Not quite sure he, he's uh, developed uh, senility or uh, dementia in, in a short period of time because he was fine when he read that, when he read his uh, summary of the report uh, on, on the national TV. I really think it was the nerves setting in because he knew he couldn't answer questions he was going to be asked. And the other thing is he didn't actually have, he didn't conduct this investigation. Andrew Weissman did. He admitted in his testimony that he, he sat in on very few of the 500 witness interviews. Okay, well, I don't expect you to know much then, right? You, you didn't sit on enough of the whole, in, the, the, sub, the, the gist of the, of the investigation and know much about it. So I just think, you know, and also with the fact that he, he can't exonerate, they, they make a big deal out of this, but, you know, that, Prosecutors don't exonerate, He's, and especially special prosecutors. They're tasked with presenting their findings, and that's it. So I, uh, I think he's, uh, I think he, 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 to me, and I know we've heard all these different. I kind of think it was a serious case of a, of nervousness that caused his demeanor. And his performance uh, yesterday, it was pathetic, to say the least. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> I do want to introduce to the show a lawyer, lobbyist, political consultant, and president of Frontiers for Freedom, George Landreth. George, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Um, it is an interesting uh, development because we were told all along that the reason why this wasn't a witch hunt was because Mueller was a Republican, and since he was heading up the investigation, it would be a fair investigation. We were spending way too much time worrying about Weissman and other people. That's what we were told. What we saw the other day was that this was, in fact, the Weissman investigation, and Mueller's name was attached to it, but he had nothing to do with it. I knew more about the investigation than he did, and I didn't sit in on any interviews. I just read the papers, and I'm a lawyer. You know what I mean? It's, so I understand the yeah. process. But, I mean, it was amazing right. to me to watch how little he knew. So uh, the first takeaway I have was the idea that he was the, quote, Republican on the – you know, I don't know what kind of Republican he is. I mean he could be, you know, he could be like Bill Crystal and never Trumper for all we know, but it doesn't matter. What we do know is he didn't have anything to do with this. He, it was, if they had pulled 
any I, I could I could give you a list of 25 friends who were not involved in this, and those 25 individuals would have had more knowledge and more capacity to answer questions than he was, and it was you know his name on it. So I think that's important to recognize. The other thing I think is very important is everyone's treating uh, the memo um, as if it is some sort of finding of fact. It is a prosecutor's memo. What I mean by that is there's been no cross-examination. There's been nobody to present other witnesses. We already know that they lied about certain conversations, redacted them so as to make them sound different than they read when you read the entire thing. We now know that for a fact. Okay, And so what you have here – but the media treats it as if – well, the Mueller report says as if it is some sort of um, – finder of fact determination after you've had cross-examination and you've heard multiple witnesses and you've been able to probe and test the, the truthfulness of the witnesses, and none of that happened. What you have is a bunch of zealots who have asked a few people some questions. They've written down their interpretation of what the answers were, and then from that they formulate that Donald Trump's a bum. And that doesn't mean anything at all. That's like asking you know, Hillary Clinton's mother, who are you going to vote for, Donald Trump or, or Hillary Clinton, and then being shocked when she tells you that she thinks Hillary has a better resume. You know, it's like, I, yeah, that's how that works. You know? And so to me, there's several things that annoy me about this whole conversation, but the idea that the prosecutor's memo is, um, is relevant, is, and that's why they're not supposed to do what they did in this. They're supposed to come out and just say, what they determined they could prosecute. In other words, we do not find evidence of X. We don't find ev uh, you know, sufficient evidence of Y. Therefore, we don't move forward. You then don't go into telling everyone what you think you may have found because it's not actually relevant. You haven't found anything. There's been no due process. No, uh, you know, so anyhow, it's just this drives me crazy that everyone's pretending like this is some sort of transcript that's found its way to the Supreme Court after you know, a trial court and then a, an appeal and going back down to the trial court for more hearings and then back up. It's like, no, this is just a prosecutor telling you what he thinks the case looks like. You know, I just, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, but that's, that's what I find stunning about all of this is that 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 that's at, they they act as if this is some sort of due process thing. It's like, yeah, right, whatever. No, I I hear you. No, I, I mean it's it's ridiculous. I mean it really is uh, absurd. Um, I do want to welcome. Uh, let's see here. All right, I believe we have him on. Uh, retired Army paratrooper, Iraq and Afghanistan veteran, activist, White House military office, and 2020. Uh, U.S. U.S. House candidate in Tennessee, uh, Todd A. McKinley. Todd, how are you? Rory, what's going on, my man? Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Great to have you here. What are your thoughts on this entire hearing yesterday, the circus? Uh, well, just just that. It was the circus, and I think that Robert Mueller was Dumbo in the center ring, to be honest with you. Uh, they made a mockery of the man, and he made a mockery of himself. You know, uh, he wasn't in charge of that dag on uh, investigation at all. And you know, it, it's sad that he went out on, on this type of uh, low note, if you will, and such a storied career. And in my opinion, a hero in Vietnam. And then now, all of a sudden, you did this to him. I think it's just absolutely sad. And I think it's sad that he allowed himself to be used this way. 
What are your What are your takeaways from it? Uh, you know, everybody here pretty much hashed everything I was kind of thinking. They said it probably a little bit more eloquent than I I could have. Let's be honest with you. You know, I'm not a, not a lawyer, not a doctor, not a, not a chief chief of police. But if I were an actor, I'd play one on TV. Uh, you know, everybody said it very, very well for basically what I thought about it. And I, I, I gave my thoughts yesterday to a local news reporter and, um, you know, basically a bunch of nonsense. And this basically – and my thoughts, this is going to cinch it uh, for Donald Trump in 2020. I think this is basically what you're going to run on and also run against the uh, the squad and basically the leftist uh, – the 24 Democrats that are running. Um, you know, it's, it's outrageous, ridiculous, and uh, – you know, we're going to continue to make America great and keep America great, in all honesty. Absolutely, my friend. A- absolutely. Um, everybody, I'm going to take a quick uh, commercial. We will be right back. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. <clears throat> coast to coast, worldwide. This is the Rory Sauter Show. Listen to you in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, D-N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing our, our 
the brand new uh, 24-7 network that we're raising a lot of money for. Many notable people will be doing their own shows uh, here, obviously, uh, all over our country and uh, internationally. Uh, very excited. Uh, we'll be having America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, a good friend of mine, the face of the network, along with uh, the director of Jihad Watch, my friend, Robert Spencer. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Um, guys, I, I want to... I want to get into a few things here. Um, you know, I'm noticing a bit of a pattern lately. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of moderates come over to the Republican side. I mean, we're looking at how radical uh, the Democrats have become. You know, there, there is no Bill Clinton anymore. There is no Joe Lieberman. There, there is no um, JFK. You know, there, there's, you know, you, you got, I guess you got a few, you know, you got a few that are in the Senate. I mean, you got people like Joe Manchin. You got, uh, uh, who's some other people that uh, go, I mean, Kristen Sinema, you know, lately she's actually sided with the president more than our own Republican McSally. So, I mean, that's, that kind of makes her somewhat of a moderate um, cinema. But it's rare. You know, it, it's, 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 not, it's not something that is seen like it used to. And, and, I, and it's, really, it's really hurting this party. I mean, you, you open borders, uh, there was just a pullout. And moderate Democrats are pissed off that uh, their party has gone to that route. Uh, basically, having anybody flow in, you know, turn to complete communism tactics, you know, open borders. Uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, just that alone has caused moderates to flee the Democratic Party. I mean, that issue, and it should. Quite frankly, it should. You know, if, if you, if, you know, logical and rational Americans, they, they believe in safety first. They believe in having their country protected. Only the insane, delusional, brainwashed people are actually okay with open borders. And I wish, I wish the people that haven't woken up would stop putting so much faith in these politicians. Oh, my God, it's so pathetic. It is so pathetic. But, you know, just so many examples of why the moderates are leaving. I mean, we're looking at the economy. You know, moderates care a lot about the economy. You know, the economy is the best it's ever been right now. Moderates care a lot about, um, you know, uh, the the um, trade. Trade. Moderates care about trade. You know, for the most part, with what I've noticed, I mean, especially with the people like JFK and Joe Manchin's and the Joe Lieberman's, economically, they're they're the same as us. They are. They just socially have. A few differences, which, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> there's about probably two or three socially, there's probably two or three, like, ideas that I'm socially liberal on. I want less, I want less government. I, I don't want as many incarcerations for small crimes, like, you know, people getting caught with marijuana and stuff. And I think pot should be legal. And even other drugs. I mean, the, the amount of money some of these prisons make on unlocking people up for a small amount of drugs is it's insane. I mean, you need to focus on the murderers, the, the rapists, 
the, uh, the the bad guys. I mean, there's just you know, and and I, and I you know these are these are so, that that issue though about I mean if it's a hard hard drug then I understand, but I you know I I don't want to get too off topic, and that's something we can get into. But uh, going back to this whole moderate thing, I mean we're looking at you know moderates aren't really fond of a lot of them. I mean some of them are, but this whole Obamacare failed them. A lot of them. And then there's even been studies about that, that moderates are pissed off about that as well. So I think there's a lot, lot of advantages here. You know, and like I said on the program many times, even though they don't agree with Trump 100% of the time, these moderates, it's a hell of a lot better than having communism. So I think they bite their tongue and they say, oh, well, we like where the economy is going. We like a lot of what he's doing. But even if we don't agree with some of the stuff he does, you know, I think a lot of, I think, I just think that's, that's the way it is. And that's, in a lot of ways, that's normal in life. I don't think – I think, like myself, I agree with pretty much everything he does. There's been, like, a few times where I've, you know, been been upset. Like, the I remember exactly what I was upset with him on. The communist bill, when he signed that, I think that was ridiculous. And then uh, I wish he wouldn't talk about banning bump stocks because once you give into the left of agenda on bump stocks, it's like take an inch, they want a mile. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? I think there was one more thing that I was uh, upset about. I forget. Oh, I mean, the, the, you know, the wall, but I, I, that's not that's not really so much his fault. I mean, it's a lot of people going against him, but and that's not even something I can be upset with him at, about. That's not that's not his fault at all. But the other the two things that I mentioned, you know, I, I think that's fair though. The ominous bill and the talking about bump stocks. Just leave the Second Amendment alone. Just just keep it how it is. Let people live their lives. Don't give Democrats any leverage or any sort of leeway. It's not 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 good, but. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the future of the Democratic Party, I mean, as we've been seeing, is it's really in shambles. I think they're in a lot of trouble. And sadly, a lot of the people on the left in that party think that they're they're doing all the right things. You know, these voters, they think that, you know, uh, they 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 just think that people are leaving the Republican Party because they're seeing how amazing the left is, and that's not that's not the case. That's what leftist voters are saying. Oh, people are leaving your party and coming over here. No, I don't think so. It's the opposite. Unless somebody is so far gone in their brain, you would be somebody – I mean, you'd probably be labeled as insane if, if you were a real Republican and you went over to the left. I don't believe that for a second. It's people that are leaving the left and going over to the right or, go, you know, just leaving and then, you know, obviously voting for Trump and not agreeing everything he's doing. Um but I, I don't know. I just I see I see a lot of what's going on, and I wonder. I really wonder how bad it's going to be in 2020 for the Democrats. I think it's going to be a landslide. I mean, there's so many people that are waking up. Let me give you another example. Fox News is rocking it in ratings. I mean, they are on fire right now, and CNN and MSNBC have collapsed in double digits. They have collapsed. Rachel Maddow. Uh, Anderson Coop, Cooper, and then uh, Don Don Lemon Drop. You know these people have sunk, and I, um, I, uh, you know, I, I really, I really see the uh, Reagan Democrat situation resonating strongly with the Trump administration. We're getting a lot of voters like that. A lot of people that even voted for Bill Clinton um, are are tr- big Trump supporters. So I think that. A lot to look forward to, but I definitely want to hear from the panel, you know, about <clears throat> about this whole moderate situation because I'm seeing more and more, like I said, 
articles on a daily basis with how moderates really feel and how most of them are disgusted with, like I said, the communism tactic, tactics that the Democrats are now using. And, uh, you know, they, they're they leaving. They're leaving in those. And you know what I love is the minority community uh, is, is, is the best it's ever been. And Trump has the highest minority support, I think, of any other presidential candidate in history that's a Republican. So I, that's something to really, uh, you know, be proud of and satisfied with and, you know, gaining all this ground. I mean, at one point, I think it was like five or six months ago or like maybe longer than that, but I looked at a poll and he had over 30% of the black vote. So, and everybody knows if you get, um, the Democrats have to get at least 90% of the black vote to win an election because that's what they're used to getting pretty much always. They always get 90% and they lost, they lost that. I mean, even if Trump has 20% of the black vote, they're still screwed. And then Hispanics, I mean, he's, He's really doing well with Hispanics, and you've got um, women that are coming around because obviously there's a lot of women that are disgusted, uh, you know, with the left. I mean, there's women that are, you know, um, there's some women that are pro-choice, but only up to a certain amount of weeks. But there's so many moderates that are disgusted with how the left wants to, you know, uh, kill a newborn once he's born. So all these different things, and then giving illegal aliens free health care. And the different bathroom thing, that's really throwing a lot of people off. I mean, you're letting your kids go in with a 50-year-old dude that identifies as a woman going in with your little girl, and he still has his pecker. This is disgusting. This is, what the hell am I reading? You know, and I'm, re- and I'm reading the other day on the Internet, and this is what the left's enabling as well. Trannies, drag queens, whatever you want to call them. I mean, Jesus Christ. And out of all places, this happened in Texas. But there was a drag queen story hour, and they were letting, and I'm not kidding, they had to delete photos of people at the library of these drag queens fondling these little kids. And I'm not kidding. These, these, These drag queens were touching these little kids. And the library had to delete the photos to cover, cover it up. And then it was a whole news story. They were questioning them and everything. And uh, this is really causing a lot of problems. And this whole equality crap that the left is pushing is losing them a lot of voters, too. Because we're not all equal. Let's face it. I'm not fucking Michael Jordan. I'm not Kobe Bryant. I'm not, I don't, you know, we're not all equal. We don't all get a trophy. We all have our own talent. And we all earn what we earn. And we all live the way we live. And we all, you know, are given certain, certain gifts and, and certain, you know, passions in life. But not for one second do we all have the same powers, the same mindset, the same body. I can go on and on. This is ridiculous. I mean, where are, you, where are the left going with this equality? I mean, stop. In every election, every single election, we have to hear how oppressed minorities are. Even though black unemployment is the best it's ever been, Hispanic, Asian, best it's ever been, unemployment-wise, and with women. But the left still pushes the narrative that, you know, orange man's bad, orange man, Donald Trump's a sexist, my, and he's racist, and minorities are having a hard time. Really? No. Because the only people that are trying to, you know, feed this, this to them and trying to say they're having a hard time is the left. Because the left likes to generalize by race, by sex, 
by all these different situations and put them in boxes. We've seen this for the longest time. Victim stances, oppression, I'm tired of it, I could puke. If I, if I hear one more person play the race card or somebody say, oh, women's rights, women's rights, I'm going to, I can't tolerate it, man. It's sick. It's sick. What rights don't you have? What rights don't you have? You live in America. Nobody's intruding on your rights. You idiots are listening to the media too much and these stupid politicians on the left. When does the madness end? When? And this whole reparations bullshit, excuse my language, but this whole reparations crap, get over it. I didn't own slaves. My mother and father didn't own slaves. My grandparents didn't own slaves. None of us own slaves. Stop generalizing black people. A lot of black people are mad about this situation, but a lot of them are for it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But when the left tries to generalize and tries to put all of them in a box and say, well, we need it for all of them, no, don't speak for other people. You're just a politician. You work for us. I mean, this, this is, you know, this is, this is just ridiculous. We're supposed to, you know, if, if so happens, you know, some of our ancestors had slaves, why are we going to pay for their crimes hundreds and hundreds of years later? It had nothing to do with us. I mean, come on. And if you want to give set reparations for blacks, why don't you give them to whites and why don't you give them to every other race that suffered? Because blacks weren't the only one in slavery. That's the truth. Give it to everybody else. I'm tired of the whole one jaded mindset and the one-dimensional uh, narrative. It's disgusting. Uh, let's go to uh, Arch Kennedy. I'll let you start off. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Democrat Party is completely radicalized today. They are, they're, they are running on lawlessness which is sanctuary cities. Sanctuary city by definition is breaking the law. It's breaking the law. We have, um, we have Democrats at, on the state level clapping when they, when they pass something that allows, you know, pass a bill allowing them to term, terminate a baby that's been born alive, clapping their hands, standing ovations. See, these are extreme radicalized, Issues, And it is why I fully believe, I can mark my words, that we will regain the House and that Trump will win again in 2020. And this is why you, you talk about moderates moving over to the Republican Party. Uh, there, then, we have, then we have people like little AOC uh, and the Green New Deal. Um, she's sitting here talking about getting rid of flatulent cows, uh, air travel – um, uh, cars, I guess, whatever else, uh, and but to save the earth that is about to. And by the way, I'm a degree meteorologist. That's what I did in television. I uh, did weather for for 17 years, but my degree was uh, meteorology. And I can tell you, as a meteorologist, this climate change stuff is is BS. Uh, because here's the reason: the climate changes. Constantly, it has all has done so since the Earth began. There is no measurable way to see to know how much, if any, man is contributing to that change in the climate. 
and yet they are wanting to put this Green New Deal out, cost us millions of dollars, uh, you know, for something that we that we can't that is not a consensus. It's not a consensus. So all these extreme issues are just. I mean, the party's gone berserk, and uh, it's just I, I, for the life of me, I can't see how any sane person could vote Democrat today. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. It, it's my, it really is mind blowing. I mean, what what they're what they're putting people through. Um, Michael, Michael, Michael Balsy, go ahead. You know, Roy, I think uh, uh, as your guest said, this the Democratic Party changed a long time ago, and now the radicals, you know, they call themselves socialists. I believe it's a truly follow the communist agenda. Uh, they pretty much taken charge, and you know when it comes to uh, the people, I think people have left them in groves, and especially minorities. I mean, you've always had, you know, this is a Judeo-Christian country, and the country has always been, you know, a little more than half center right. Now they didn't always vote that way, but the country is basically a center right country. So if you lose everybody near that position, which I think they have, plus you lose the minority, who they've always promised everything under the sun to, you know, they're in deep trouble. And I think when you really look at the numbers, you know, if you say a 50-50 election and you lose 20-25% of those people that are near the middle, including the minorities, you're back to the 25% radical. And that's where I see this next election heading. I, I, I really think only 25% of the entire U.S. population at most might be that radical with the kinds of things we're seeing, with the open borders philosophy, with this push for transgenderism, uh, where everything is acceptable. Uh, it's like chaos. You know, it's anarchy is what it is. And the country just doesn't stand for that. Like I said, it's a Judeo-Christian country. It's basically a center-right country. It always has been. In terms of people's ideology, maybe not always in terms of what they did at the, at the ballot box, but in terms of their ideology, it's always been center-right. So with that in mind, I, I just don't see uh, how they can even compete. Um, they don't have any more people like Bill Clinton laying around that they can all of a sudden throw on the ballot to run against the president. No, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Uh, wonderful commentary thus far. Um, I would say that uh, just as the Trump supporters expected, this is exactly the kind of platform and uh, just national mentality for the Republican Party that we needed. I mean, we were on the verge of some uh, terrible consequences with some of the alternative presidential candidates. But uh, ultimately, you know, Trump was up against 15 plus other Republicans, but he decisively blew them all away. And uh, this is really important, too, because you think about his platform compared to everyone else. He was the most strong in his beliefs and his convictions. He had policies that were going to make a real impact. He was not a centrist like Jeb Bush, per se, who uh, is soft on many issues. He's, he gets along partisanly with 
Democrats, for example. I mean, this is someone that the establishment on the Republican side had wanted to run against Hillary Clinton, you know, lying, saying uh, he's the only hope of beating Hillary because, you know, he's she's just more middle ground. Um, well, I don't think that works. I think there's a big reason why Trump won, and that's because his policies went the furthest for Republican values, and, uh, and it's undeniable. And as we see, he's gaining a, a much stronger audience and approval rating as as time goes on he gets more fundraising than uh than ever before people are not fundraising for these very centrist weak you know politicians with the low approval ratings they're fundraising because they believe in the president and his leadership to actually turn this country around and uh, preserve the values that made our country so great and his mantra uh, says it all make america great again and that's what he's doing and uh, the Democrats, on the other hand, they have a similar kind of understanding of this as well. Uh, these uh, centrists aren't getting so much uh, traction. Um, you, you see how they're becoming more and more progressive, more like very left-wing. They're becoming radicalized, and that's in desperation of trying to beat Trump. They're trying to be the counter-Trump. And um, it's definitely uh, – <laughs> I would say they – uh, overdrew their hands. They they went too far, uh, as left as they went, and uh, that's absolutely slingshotted the Republican Party or just regular people to understand how how much Trump has made an impact um, and how these are the values that uh, should be preserved in our country. So ultimately, I would say that uh, he does have just the, the greatest shot at becoming president, especially considering Biden um, is very centrist. I mean, that's what happens when you're in the middle ground. If you're in the middle ground, you're very wish-washy, um, like, yep. like these centrists are. Um, you know, you have the entire left side. Let's use the Republicans as an example. Uh, someone like Jeb Bush is very centrist in middle ground. And then yeah. uh, you have people like Donald Trump who has broad-based populist support. They are very much against someone that's centrist and will not fight for their values. And you have the entire left wing that's against this middle-of-the-ground Republican. And so right. when you're in the middle, both sides hate you. So Trump is you know, on the right side. He's on the right side of history, and people love him. Right. And uh, I think that's, right. that's a winning strategy. No, you're, 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 absolute, you're absolutely right. No, what, very well said. Um, and I, what I also love about Trump, everybody, is the fact that you know, he, he's not Republican or Democrat. He's pro-American. He's for what's America, for what's what's best for America. He's America first. You know, too many too many times and too often in the past we've seen so many presidents that have either been Republican or Democrat, and they don't go across party lines. Uh, sometimes for many reasons. So sometimes it doesn't match up to their special interests and who's donating to them, or you know, uh, I mean, there's just so there's so many different variables, and I, I think this is great how Trump doesn't owe anybody anything self-funded, and uh, gets to uh, have it all his way. And uh, we all know that uh, he is the, the greatest patriot and the greatest president to ever live, the greatest of all time. He's the Michael Jordan of politics. Um, let's go to George. George, go ahead. Well, you know, what I think is interesting about the whole – prospect of uh, Donald Trump's re-election uh, opportunity is let's let's go back to 2016 and ask us what uh, what the average voter was uh, being told 
we were told, one, he could never win. We were told that if he did win, we would go into a world um, just a tremendous economic decline, like a recession. We were also told that we'd end up in war. Um, and so there were a lot of people, I think, who, who were scared off from voting for him. So there's a right. ton of people that I that I know that that said, well, I don't know, that sounds pretty dire. Maybe I shouldn't, I, you know, I don't really like Hillary, or maybe I, they didn't vote at all, but they just kind of didn't know what to do because just the constant drumbeat was dire, dire, dire warnings, dire warnings. Um, so now they've gone through four years. You know, maybe they didn't like all of his tweets. I don't know, but it, they can't really argue with the economy. The economy is going great. Um, the world is actually – I mean the world's always a, a tense place in some parts of it, but the world was on fire when Barack Obama was president, and it was devolving into a worse situation, and it's been improving dramatically under uh, the leadership of Donald Trump. So yeah. my question would be is of the people who voted for him the first time, notwithstanding all the crazy warnings and the, oh my gosh, the world's going to catch on fire, it's going to be horrible. How many of those are going to change their mind and say, I can't vote for him this time? And then secondly, and I think the answer there is it's a very, 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 very low number. Um, right. And then I think of the people who got scared off because of all the dire warnings from every source imaginable, some of them even Republicans, um, right. I think a lot of those people come back home. So I think he has a very good chance of, uh, of increasing his vote tally substantially over the last time simply on the strength of the last four years and the fact that the other side was proven to be either lying or wrong. Take your pick. And then, um, and then of course, um, when you look at the Democratic Party, it's not even clear to me, and this is not a defense of Barack Obama, it's not clear to me that the Barack Obama of 2008 could win the nomination in 2020. Um, he was for he was he, he believed that marriage was you know he believed in traditional marriage. Um, he talked about trying to balance the budget and going through it line by line. I know he didn't do any of that, but he talked about it. Um, you know he worked very hard to sound moderate, and with a couple exceptions where he made mistakes, he didn't realize the camera was on. He talked about you know with Joe the plumber spreading it around and so forth. But in most instances, sure. his campaign was designed to look rational, look middle of the road. And um, and I don't know that he could win in this. You know, you had this mad dash to the left. I mean, you had them all raise their hand to the question, "Would you like to lose the election in 2000?" I mean, no, it was no, that wasn't the question. The question was, "Do you want to give free health care to?" Um, but you know what I mean. Same question. <laughs> Do you want to give free health care yeah. to illegal immigrants? And they all raised their hand. Yes, I'd like to lose the election in 2020. There wasn't a single person there that had the courage. So you you now have a situation where. If you sneak into America, if, if, if you cheat to go to college, you can go to jail. But if you sneak into the country and cheat to get in the country, we'll not only provide you college for free, we'll give you free health care too. I mean, this is just this is the world of Bizarro. So th they've not left themselves much. If you're a middle of the road American, um, the Democrats are telling you to go to hell. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, very well said. That's the truth. I mean, they, you know, it, it is. Um, Todd, Todd, go ahead. Yep. So everybody said everything. I, I can honestly repeat. 
Uh, the Democrats say they adhere to a flawed, destructive, evil ideology, and at the end of the day, they hate Americans. They hate America, and they know they can't win, so they have to import you know, new, new voters, and that's why they want to get as many illegals in here as possible and basically allow them to vote or let them go out there and vote illegally and, and basically say, you know what, it's their right to vote. It's their right to health care, and that's, what that's what, really what they're looking to do at the end of the day. I mean it's, it's dangerous. Um, you know, our country can't support them, can't, can't sustain it. Uh, you know, go, go, go get in line and do it the right way, but don't run across our border and somehow think you get a reward. You know, it's like, uh, it's like the guy who cheats in basketball. You know, you don't, you don't get a, a, a basket, you know, if, if, if you're cheating, you know, you, you just don't. And, and we shouldn't reward these people for, for that. Send them back, build the wall. Secure this country and put Americans first and put America back to work. And at the end of the day, Democrats can't do that, and that's why they're going to lose in 2020 and hopefully uh, several elections after that. And, and Todd, you know you're you're running you're running for Congress. You know you uh, you could probably appeal and resignate with many of the moderates that have been you know left out by the far left. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I was talking to some Democrats actually today. I went to a, a county fair today uh, just to kind of go shake hands and talk to some folks. And, you know, there's folks that were that moved down from, uh, I think, up New, New Hampshire uh, a couple years ago. And they're like, you know, hell, we were Democrats all these years, uh, but that party left us a long time ago. They're, they're like, they we're middle-of-the-road type folks. And, uh, you know, we moved down south, and everybody seems to be pretty good people and, uh, you know, not the stereotypes that we, we hear for, uh, up north. And, I'm, you know, I'm like, I welcomed them. I said I welcomed them to the party, and I said I hope to see you at a meeting very soon. And, of course, they, 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 they hugged me, and they said thank you guys for allowing us, you know, to, to join your party. And I said, you know what, we're not, we're not demons like the Democrats say we are, you know. And so it was, it was, it was kind of wild just to, just to see the look on their faces, you know, kind of inviting them to the Republican Party. And, you know, the Democrats have left them behind a long time ago. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, Eric, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I I know I I agree with what's been said. My to me, it's it's more simple than that. I I know the Democratic Party is in disarray. I know they're 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 going to lose some people. But in the end, it's about we, the people going out and voting. And we, our voices need to be heard, and I'm not so concerned about their voices not being heard. So I, I agree, but we got to make sure every conservative, every libertarian, anyone that wants to live under in a free country, under the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, that they vote. And because they are going to target the colleges, you know, I, I talked to some liberals, they literally have no idea what we're talking about. They don't know that we're energy independent. They do not know that we're energy independent. They do not know that the, the left has lied about anything. They don't. They don't know anything except what they've been told on Snapchat and and on uh, Instagram. So I just don't want. I don't want to leave it up to get enough of us turn out to offset the voter fraud and the uh, low educated voter and college student. So there's no reason why we don't blow out 2020, but it simply comes down to us turning out. Yeah, no, you, no, very well said. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, we we definitely have a lot. We have a lot to look forward to in 2020. Uh, let, let's go to let's go to AJ in Texas. Uh, everybody knows him from uh, Sean Hannity Radio Show and he's been on Rush Limbaugh Radio Show. AJ, what are your thoughts, my friend? 
Big time, Rob. I tell you what. What happened with Obama? He bamboozled everybody along with the media helping him. That was the whole idea of him. But like the guy said, Obama told him all that crap. Only thing you had to do was read between the lines, which everybody did. And as I always told everybody, if it wasn't for the white liberals voting for Obama, he would have never got in there. And the worst part about it is now that they see, where is Obama at now? How come he ain't helping the Democrat Party? They ain't, he ain't even showed his face because he know he's going to have to answer to his bad economy that he claimed that he gave Donald Trump. This guy gave Donald Trump the worst economy as he blamed George Bush for giving him a bad economy. This is a joke what we watched Wednesday night when Miller got up there and looked like a deer in headlights. This it's the end of the Democrat Party. And most Democrats, if y'all listening, it's time for y'all to run. It's time for y'all to run now because you see these people don't care nothing about you. These people haven't cared about you way before Obama. And really, after Obama, you got worser, as I always use my words. And this what the media has done is outrageous. Look at them now. They still on it. They still telling everybody, do what you got to do. Don't get Trump back in. This is after all what Mueller said the other night, and we know what he did. The media still pushing the issue. They not going to stop. So everybody got to come out like homeboy said. Everybody, we got to come out in droves to save this country, to help Donald Trump, because Trump is the only one that's standing between us and socialism. And if we let the Democrats win this election, book or by crook, this country is done. It might as well be Venezuela's. And look, the Puerto Ricans over there, they finally got that idiot out over there. Now maybe they can get their lives together. But the thing of it is, people, we got to protect our borders. Our borders have to be protected, hook or crook, because this is wrong what they're doing. This is wrong what the Democrats doing. And then look at the police. What Obama did, the police acted stupidly. It put a target on our police officers' back. And look what they did in New York to the police, throwing water on them. That, that was assault. And the police couldn't even do nothing. The mayors of them towns should be accountable for what the police did. Now, the first part about it is the media is not back in this country anymore. Only Fox News and a few on there are pissing me off as well. But the thing of it is, people, we as people of the United States have to help our troops. they protecting us as they're doing as all day long. But we got to help them protect this country. We just can't let this country be overran by a bunch of thugs, illegal Antifa, all these radical people. This is what America is made of, real American people. We got to keep going. We got to fight like nobody business like Trump doing. He's doing it all by itself, basically, because the Republican Party, they finally got upset uh, the other night when they asked Mueller all the questions. Wow, where were they at when the uh, Democrats gave us that bad Obamacare bill? They were silent. They didn't say a word. 
even though they didn't vote for it, they should have warned the people about that bad health care plan Obama had. And we waiting, waiting for Obama to show his face because what Mueller did and what everybody did Wednesday night, you don't put the name Trump up there. You put the name Obama and Hillary up there because them the ones that did the Russia collusion. And everybody has to know quickly, media yeah. will not call Obama name out. They won't call Hillary name out because of the fact of racism. We so sick and tired of it, like I said the other night. We're going to cry wolf. They're going to cry wolf too long, and they're going to get ate up. In 2020, we got to get the House, and we got to get the White House back. Guys, I tell you, we have to stay strong. Don't let the media pull the wool over your head because what we just saw Wednesday night is the epic of what the Democrats and the media are doing to this country. Everybody, shake and bake. I got to get back to work. And everybody, love you guys. And just keep up the good work. Just keep on shaking. And we will bake them. (laughs) God God bless you, AJ. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, your Twitter. That's AJ from Houston on Twitter. Big time, AJ. On Twitter, and you should right, see Martin friend. Luther King face on there, and that is the man of the hour. Trust me. All right, <laughs> righty, buddy. Well, we All appreciate right, you, and God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Daryl, my ahead. man, my man, big time, AJ from Houston. Yeah, so really, really great comments thus far in agreement with so much of what's been said. Kevin said something earlier that I really want to key in on, and uh, he he talked about how sort of the centrist position, especially in the times that we're in right now, is actually not even politically expedient, and and the Jeb Bush candidacy certainly highlighted that. I think that's actually – that's more true of center-right candidates than than center-left candidates, but that is the dynamic. We we have a polarizing situation, and that sort Sort of safe spot of occupying the center, you're really in no man's land uh, because what's going on is that we are in the midst of a nonviolent civil war, and the Republican base, uh, which is as far as I'm concerned, that is the American people, is the GOP electorate, and the the, the Democratic electorate is really sort of the invading force. So I, while I certainly agree with the encouraging signs for 2020, and I'm certainly very optimistic for Donald Trump. I don't want to fall into the trap of things like, uh, you know, the economy is doing well. Therefore, uh, I don't really think that people are actually voting based on these these things, even though these would be sort of the rational things to be looking at in in a election in a democratic country. But we are uh, deeply socially and culturally uh, polarized, and the left is about replacement. And so, you know, the growing of their caucus doesn't really depend on these factors so much. It doesn't depend on the GDP or the growth. It, it, what it really depends on is the breakdown of the family in the inner cities and, you know, the, the number of children that they can get, you know, birthed into these defunct single mother households. There's some, some weeks out of the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm driving right now, so you may be hearing that. But the, the thing for the left that is really for them that is going to uh, impact 
2020 for them is how many white farmers have been replaced in places like Pennsylvania with, you know, inner city thugs in Philadelphia. So I'm certainly optimistic about Trump's chances, but I also want to underscore the severity of these elections and the importance of determining uh, a strict, aggressive, proactive policy because these sort of common sense approaches to, to looking at the electoral map, they, they might not actually be really what's going to be the driving factor. It's going to be about these ballooning, dysfunctional inner city populations. So I, I continue to be cautiously optimistic, but also concerned about these points. And, and uh, we arrive at the same point, which is that we need to be energized to the, uh, to the 10th degree. We need to be ready to go because this is every election is a survival election. 2020 is yeah. going to be a very big one, and, and so is everything after that. So that would be my contributions to, to this segment. All righty. Very, very well said, uh, everybody. We will be right back. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. 
everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listening to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next NES Gen G-E-N, USA.com. And also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing the 24-7 network that we're raising a lot of money for. Many notable people will be doing their own show on there. And uh, my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and my good friend, uh, the director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, both of those guys will be the face of the network. So we're very excited. Um, and I will keep mentioning it and promoting it up until we officially launch it. And, you know, obviously there, uh, there's a lot, there'll be a lot more to discuss, uh, you know, uh, coming soon. Uh, but guys, lot, a lot, a lot in the headlines. Um, I want to, I want to go into this topic really bad. You know, the dangers of big tech, um, it's really bad right now. I mean, we're we're seeing Facebook pretty much ban people, and Twitter, and and all these different places just because they disagree with them politically, and then they claim that they violated the the rule the rules. That's not the case. You know, these these social media networks have to come up with something, obviously, and say some sort of reasoning of why. They banned somebody, but they're making it up. They're making it up. I mean, this is this is a, a straight attack on conservatives. I mean, we're we're getting attacked for voicing our opinions, for voicing voicing our beliefs, and we're getting deplatformed. There's so many different examples. Um, look at Laura, look at Laura Loomer, look at uh, Stephen Crowder, look at uh, Gavin McGinnis, look at um, Alex Jones. I mean, you know, it goes on and on. Uh, the, these people are dealing. And even even everyday people, and you know, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people dealing with this censored crap. And you got to remember, you got to understand, is that this is a lot of times social media is people's livelihood. I mean, you, you, I mean, we're we're dealing with a a situation in today's society where everybody, you know has their credit card information. Everybody gets their news. Everybody buys stuff through social media. I mean, there's pretty much, you can do anything on Facebook. I mean, that's why people have it. And, you know, it, it's convenient. It's connecting with people. And same with Twitter. I mean, it's, it's a huge tool that majority of the population has. It's like a, it's an evil necessity. It's one of those things. And Facebook and Twitter knows this. The owners of these platforms which is why, you know, they they take the they take a lot of power into their own hands, and you know they take this money because their mindset is well, 
they're not going to leave. You know, we can mess with their lives and we can screw with them and, you know, mess with their livelihood, but they don't really have a choice. Their mindset is everybody's on Facebook. Everybody's on Twitter. They need it. So it's like when you have your own rules and regulations and stipulations on what people can and can't do, I mean, it's, you know, I understand if people are going on there and writing, you know, terrible things like death threats or, in certain examples, racial slurs. I mean, that that's one thing. But if somebody's voicing their beliefs in an appropriate manner and not using any foul language, then what's the problem? What is the problem? And I want to, you know what I want to know? I want to know who every single donor is that gives to these big tech companies. I want to know. I want to know how much influence the Middle East has over Facebook and Google and Twitter. I mean, I know they have a lot, but I really want to know how much. Because think about this. If you say the word Muslim, just the word Muslim on Facebook, you will get you you have a good chance of getting banned, especially if you're conservative. People have to block out that word if they're going to use it in a sentence to make a point. And that's just one of many examples. I mean, you know, you 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 wear you know certain certain things like I. Like even my radio show and all this different stuff on Facebook has been flagged and been blocked because there's pictures of Trump right on, on my the cover of my radio show. The picture for it is a picture of Trump, and it's clear. And as you guys know, all these social media platforms review pretty much everything. They have everything on the, on the, back, on the back end that they can see everything. And I will say this, is that I can't believe that they can simply ban somebody for disagreement of politics. They have to me. I'm still banned for like there's there's a reason why I haven't been posting my show to Facebook in the last month because I I'm still banned. I'm banned for like another week on Facebook. I just you know what? It's over and over. And then and then these these entities and these corporations they steal our identities. They take our pictures and use them for other things. They take our information and utilize it for their own gain, for their own power. You know, this this is this is a real thing. And think about this, guys. And this is something I'm really scared of. And this is something I've always discussed: is that there's so many people that don't even read the newspaper anymore. They get all their news information from social media, and I mean that's what they rely on because of the convenience, because of their smartphone. You know, you can do everything on your smartphone, and that's why so many people have it, and that's why it's such a huge trend. And, and think about all the fake news that is going around on these, on these platforms, on these different forums and all these, these sites. And there's so many people, and I kid you not, that do not check their sources, and they'll share whatever the hell they see. Think about how much power and manipulation and authority Facebook has in that in that regard, and Twitter, all this fake stuff going around, them basically uh, playing with their algorithm to uh, have people, you know, see certain articles and not see the other ones, especially, you know, they want them all to see the ones coming from left-wing organizations. It is scary. You know, I, I do want to uh, read this real quick, and then I'll get obviously get some thoughts, but the DOJ um, launched – 
The Department of Justice on Tuesday announced it is opening a review into whether the United States' biggest and most powerful technology companies have stifled competition or hurt consumers. They absolutely have. I mean, I, and I really hope the DOJ gets to the bottom of this because they've hurt people in every single way. You know, and I can name a hundred different reasons. I can name a hundred different reasons. But one of the main reasons, and I think the most important one, is the one I talked about earlier. It's about people's livelihood. When you, your livelihood, you know, when you have all your stuff on social media, your work stuff, your credit cards, where you get your news from, where you get everything from, and that's messing with people's lives. And that's just one small example. And I, you know, I, I see how the, the war on, on the First Amendment, I mean, this is, this is a violation of our rights. And I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, you know, with with these big tech companies, because now they're talking about how how credit card companies can start refusing credit cards to people that they disagree with politically. I mean, that, that that's another thing that uh, certain dirty donors uh, are going to have influence over uh, companies like that. We are living in scary times, everybody, um, and it's one of those things where. You know, if if you're having people on the left, and, and this is true, that are, are, are making all these nasty comments, saying whatever word they want, and even making threats, and they don't get banned or deplatformed, but a conservative does it, and they do, it's the biggest BS in the entire world. I mean, and this is happening constantly. There's a war on conservatives, and we need to fight it. We really do. Uh, Archie Kennedy, go ahead. Yes, this is a serious, serious problem. And the reason here, – here's the deal. We Facebook and Twitter and Google are, are where people, like you mentioned, where people get their news. You know, we have these conservative social media sites that are coming up, Gab, Mayway, Mayway, Mayway whatever you, however you pronounce it, uh, Parler, uh, if that's how you pronounce that one, uh, but that are considered, you know, free speech, social media. The problem is – not enough not that many people are going to those yet so people go people use the world goes to facebook and twitter and uses google and when they're censoring conservatives when they're hiding conservative information um you know i've def, i've without a doubt been a victim of shadow banning and i can tell you i can give you a perfect example of why on facebook on my public page political page, I have about 14,000, a little over 14,000 uh, followers on it. I watched in one day, I looked at my analytics, and I was getting 600 to 1,500 post engagement per post go down in one day. On I watched it on July 12th to one or two, literally one or two, and zero comments. So you can't tell me that Facebook wasn't manipulating something. They were hiding my information in the public. Uh, but it changed for about six days. Six days later, I went back. All of a sudden, response rate went shot up through the roof for some reason. Uh, on Twitter, I do a lot of Georgia politics being in Atlanta, and I hashtag G-A-P-O-L on a, a lot of my Georgia pol political posts. When I know that I've been shadow banned there because when I when you go in to search for, for stories that are – Hashtag GOP GAPOL, you can't find me. You can't find any of my stuff. So um, not only is that aggravating, but it's really serious problem because of our upcoming 2020 election. And 
I I fear that Google hiding conservative information could sway votes and could could sway an election. I think it, I don't I'm not about regulation. I hate more gov- of course as a conservative I hate more government regulation, but something's got to be done. Yeah, oh no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, we need to yeah, something really does. I mean, there needs to be action taken. Uh Michael, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Roy, I I agree. I think with the DOJ opening this antitrust investigation, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I actually think uh, that big tech has been under Rebecca's investigation for some time now. I think the Trump administration has had them under investigation. And I think some of these lawsuits that you've seen, uh, like Devin Nunez file, uh, I think those things are going to, are going to be very, very eye opening. Um, and I know the president has mentioned before that, you know, he said, you know, when it came to big tech, that class action lawsuits were very, very effective. One of my, one of my concerns is that Google, for example, they can sway a lot of votes in a national election, you know, and, and, and I think that's critical uh, to know. And in fact, I read an article earlier today that said that, uh, you know, of all the things going on, I mean, the uh, the Google probably has the most direct influence. You know, not Russia or anything like that. And the thing that upsets me more about Google is that they have close ties to the Chinese. Okay, we know the Chinese are the ones that have always tried to hack us and uh, spy on us and whatever else. And if they're getting assistance from Google, and I think that's going to come to light, they have some serious problems. As far as the uh, the censoring the conservatives, I mean, we know that's going on. I mean, I've been on Twitter for a long, long time. I said, think since 2013. There was a time uh, maybe six, eight months ago when I was averaging about 60 to 100 new followers a night, overnight. And now I'm lucky to get maybe three. You know, it just, it, it's happening. And uh, it's like, I mean, there's proof it's happening, but somebody made a point. And what really aggravates me is when Antifa can post things on there and radical Islam can post things on there and, and it goes through plainly, you know, but somebody else would get censored for hate speech. And I think these are all things that the department of justice is looking into and big tech doesn't have any answers for them. So I could see some sort of a, uh, restrictions or some sort of uh, federal guidelines put in place, and and maybe because you know sincere violation of antitrust, I think that's that's I think they're going to be found guilty of that. Well, you know, you know, you're absolutely right. No, I agree, 100. Um, percent Kevin, go ahead. Yes, this is a tail-end millennial speaking, and uh, of course this is a very central issue, very important, because uh, the youth consider social media as being central to their lives and the way that they intake information. And uh, social media as well as just regular entertainment media are the two most prevalent ways that these young people are inseminated with absolute garbage liberal propaganda. And something must be done about it, of course, because you have the right wing that are trying to reach these people 
um, that are living in these echo chambers or these essentially listening to big institutions that are far left by all means. But, uh, you know, there's the right is censored and, and the left just um, keeps going on with uh, their lies and their, their propaganda by all means. And this is a, an important issue, too, because uh, we look at groups like Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, which is owned by Google. I mean, these are the absolute like biggest monoliths of the Silicon Valley type companies, and they are absolutely trust by all means. I mean, uh, I remember the days of Teddy Roosevelt when it became a big issue that we had big trusts that were destroying the rights of individuals. It weren't the government necessarily doing this. It were actual corporations that were actually destroying the lives and prosperity of the collective country as a whole. So there absolutely must be some trust busting involved here. And there needs to be, in my opinion, a uh, bill of rights for the internet. So you're not discriminated against. Uh, Trump held an absolutely spectacular, in my opinion, uh, press conference, uh, social media summit, and had some great speakers like Josh Hawley, the Senator of Missouri, uh, give his uh, leading plan as to how we're gonna make an even playing field. Uh, for that, we will make sure that these companies do not discriminate, and uh, this will open up the door as they get uh, penalized for discriminating and censoring conservatives, as they definitely do. Uh, that will open up to all these other brands of uh, social media and you know, information sharing platforms. And hope is not lost, by all means. There's actually a, a, a whole other world out there besides these monolithic companies, because um, like as of today, for example, I'm my group, Nationalists United, is now on 11 different platforms, most of which are independently owned and gaining adoption at a very fast rate. I think uh, VK, the, the Russian one, there's been no censorship, and uh, that's probably my front runner that I'm considering right now. And um, there's just more innovation being had that is allowing free market uh, principles to allow regular grassroots people to share their message. And um, so hope is not lost unless... Of course, we have the government, usually intergovernment systems, intervene. And I'm talking about, as we see in Europe, the European Union has passed many legislation, like the uh, Article 13, a very infamous one, that essentially says that all written material, um, all posts are copyrighted. And so that's very dangerous because that means that if someone shares material that they uh, wanted to tell people about on the Internet, well – like a, a post or a meme, a picture, or whatnot, um, then that picture cannot be shared because it's been copyrighted to the maker. Um, so you're essentially constricting any grassroots regular person from sharing information, and they're at threat at these very you know globalistic institutions of of committing crime because of it. So um, this is a, a make it or break it kind of turning point that. We need to be able to break up these companies, like allow freedom of, of voice and opinion. Otherwise, um, it's going to be an absolute monolith of the, the Democrats and liberals just absolutely owning all information and data and the way that it's distributed. Because the, the youth has no other way of uh, hearing about our opinions or you know the, the facts of uh, what we believe in and, and the, the history. And that. Um, there's no other way it's going to get around. They're changing our history books and uh, you can't search anything on, on Google without getting all these mainstream media articles or just absolute propaganda. I mean, it's, they're rewriting history. They're burning the books as an Aurelian dystopia 
uh, predicted that they would. And uh, it's it's only going to take like a, a real national, uh, someone like Trump, to uh, change it because it's, it's it needs to be trust busted and um, regulated. Well, no, you're right. Very, very well said, Chad. Uh, we got a couple minutes left, so in case I don't get back to you, tell everybody where they can connect with you. Oh yes, uh, just find me on any social media. I, I'm serious about that. Uh, Nationalists United, or find me on my website, nationalistsunited.com. Great show, Rory. Thanks, buddy. We still have a few minutes, so stick around. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go to Let's go to George. George, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think that um, we live in a very strange world in terms of how. Um, the media and social media is viewed. They basically lied to us early on. They told us this yeah. is a free uh, a free service that they were going to sell advertising, um, and that's yeah. how they'd make their money. And so, as we all signed right. up, you know, if the more of us signed up, then they'd make money, and that was fine with us. Turns out that we're the product. They don't actually make most of their money on advertising. They may make most of their money selling our information. Um, you know, they got uh, Facebook was fined five billion dollars by the Federal Trade Commission this week for uh, its mishandling of our private data. Um, that's its biggest uh, fine by a long shot. And um, But what I find interesting is they have hid behind the idea that um, the First Amendment prevents government from limiting free speech, not private entities. Um, but I do think there's some real problems here. Um, there have been studies done. Um, I remember reading one a couple weeks ago where um, some analysts did research and determined that the um, that, that Google and and players like that can um, can shift millions of votes, and that they in fact did shift millions of votes in 2018 during the midterm elections, and that they threw many many seats to the Democrats as a result of their algorithms and how they play the games. This is not by accident. They act as if the algorithm is, oh, it's the algorithm. It's just, oh, we didn't mean for that to happen. It's like, no, you wrote the algorithm. I can write algorithms or, if you will, a mathematic, you know, ask me to create a, a, a mathematical equation that will predict who will win the Super Bowl. And then when you find out right. I'm a Washington Redskins fan, I could then create an algorithm that will predict they win every year. But guess what? They haven't. And, you know, so, you know, this is this is stupid that they pretend this algorithm is this kind of like impartial. It, it, it's designed to do what it does. I'll give you an example. Um, I do a radio show and more often than not, the last six months, the radio show, it's broadcast on traditional broadcast towers. So the FCC, the federal, the federal Communications Commission actually has the right to regulate it, and they could ban us, kick us off the air if we were saying and doing things that were inappropriate. But we've never had even a single complaint filed. But Facebook, for more than six months, most of the time we've been off. We're actually back on right now. But normally sure. we've been off for violating mm -hmm. community standards. Let me tell you what community standards are. Be a liberal. Support liberalism. Hate Trump. Yep. Badmouth the founding fathers. Accuse right. Republicans of being racist. That makes you in compliance with community standards. It's true. It's true. Uh, George, uh, we got a few minutes left. Stick around, but in case I don't get back to you, tell everybody where they can connect with you. 
Sure. Um, my website at Frontiers of Freedom is ff.org, ff.org, and my Twitter account is at glandreth. So it reads like glandreth, G-L-A-N-D-R-I-T-H. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Todd, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Yes. Yeah, so I think everybody hit, hit this nail on the head several times. And as I was sitting there listening to everybody you know, talk about this, I was reminded of a poem called First They Came. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. Um, you know, so I, I'm going to kind of use that for my two seconds here, if you don't mind. And it starts yeah, off, go and I'm going to change a couple of words, though. And okay. it says, first they came for the Republicans, and I did not speak out because I was not a Republican. Then they came for the – for the libertarians, and I did not speak out because I was not a libertarian. Then they came for the independents, and I did not speak out because I was not an independent. Then they came for me, the Democrat, and there was no one left to speak for me. So that's basically what's going to end up happening to the Democrats in, in my thoughts here. Um, you know, There's not, not going to be anybody else to stand up for, for their rights and, and for their privileges, to be honest with you, uh, because it, they're not going to stand up for us. You know, they're going to basically run us off of Twitter, run us off of, uh, you know, every social media uh, platform, you know, enough of it. You know, we're going to stand up for them because that's the right thing to do, but they won't stand up for us. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Very, very well said. That's it in a nutshell. No, I hear you. No, absolutely. Tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you. Yeah, sure. Uh, on Twitter, at Todd for House, T-O-D-D, the number four, H-O-U-S-C. Uh, and also uh, on our website, it's toddforhouse.com, T-O-D-D, the number four, H-O-U-S-C.com. If you're inclined to go check it out and uh, if you'd like to donate, I'd really appreciate it. We're getting ready to launch our campaign in, within the next few weeks. Uh, we'll be out there officially, hopefully. Uh, and also our Facebook page will be coming back up in the next few weeks as well as we get ready to launch. So take a look at that once we launch it. And uh Hopefully things are going to work out here in 2020, and we'll go to Washington, D.C. to help um, keep America great and help Donald Trump in his next four years. Well said, my friend. Well said. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is right in my wheelhouse. I, I saw this coming after 2016, so we set up megabook.com, and, uh, and the interesting thing after a couple months is, is people know that Facebook is selling their information. Facebook know uh, people know that Facebook is a progressive machine that's trying to support causes that will destroy our country, but people still stay on Facebook. So, uh, you know, we we've got a couple thousand people to come over, and they've got hundreds of millions and billions. So, uh, it's an interest. My I, my biggest concern would be Google because of its ability to alter the search and swing votes. But when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, people don't want to leave. And so uh, people like me and Parler and, and MeWe and stuff, you know, we've got platforms, open speech, no shadow banning. And people say, greatest thing on earth. I couldn't, you know, I've been looking for something like this, but they tell their friends and their friends are like, nah, everybody's on Facebook and Twitter, so I'm just going to stay over here. So it, it's kind of like where we've allowed the, the, you know, the LGBT community to become normalized and take away some of our civil liberties where we have to change pronouns. You know, it, it, the people, the, the, the traditional American has not stood up and just and said, you know, we're not supporting you because you're bad. It's like, well, I want to be part of the movement. I want to be where everybody else is, so I'm going to go stay on Facebook and Twitter. So Facebook's going to continue to 
seller information. And now they just got a, a patent. You might have saw that last week. It was approved where they can now officially shadow ban on Facebook. So they're going to go in yeah. and they're going to decide what words are bad. And they're going to say, well, Rory said Muslims bad in the in a 10-word span. So we're just going to go in and swipe that whole comment. Nobody's going to see his next post of his show. And that's why the one guy said earlier, you know, he's getting, you know, uh, 600 to 1,000 activities. And all of a sudden it goes to three on Twitter signups. Because right. I've been shadow banned on Twitter for four years. I've got 120,000 people. Nobody sees my post. So I don't even go on right. there anymore because it's futile. So to right. say all that, hey, is until, re- until people re- want to make a paradigm re- shift, um, then Facebook and Twitter is going to be the, the, the option for them. Eric, Eric, we do better run. Uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yeah, so I'm on Mojo50.com, Libertarian Radio Station, Mojo50.com, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Pacific. You can go over to the website, listen to all my previous shows. And my social media site is MAGABook.com if you want to connect with libertarians and conservatives. Thank you. Sounds good, Eric. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael, please tell everybody where they can uh, connect with you. I didn't uh, ask you that earlier. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Michael Balsey, dot, uh, Michael Balsey just uh, my name, and uh, come on over. Got a bunch of great people there, and uh, supporting a great president who is a master at putting Democrats in a box. <laughs> exactly. Very well said. Uh, Archie, Archie Kennedy, go ahead. Tell everybody where they can connect with you. Thanks for having me on tonight, Rory. Yes, you can get me on Twitter at, at Arch Kennedy. And my website is archkennedy.com. Perfect, my friend. Thank you. Wow, what a show tonight, guys. What a show. Uh, it's been fantastic, like always. Uh, great rhythm, great flow. Uh, ama- perfect topics addressed. Um, you know, just so so much that we dived into tonight. Uh, fantastic dialogue. Uh, I want to thank all my co-hosts my audience, sponsors, and guests. You guys are all incredible. Uh, the show is at its best at this point. I mean, it's it's doing better than ever before. Uh, we are listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms, and I am so thankful, everybody. Um, everybody, remember, uh, you need, if you need any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7, Breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. Also remember, in a month, we will be releasing our brand new 24-7 media network that we raised a lot of money for and uh, a lot to look forward to with that. As I said, my good friend, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and the director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, will both be the faces of that network. We have many notable people doing their own shows on there as well. Guys, have a great weekend. Uh, We have many big shows planned for you next week, and I can't wait to be with all of you. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers.